Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. If you have a Bible, you can open with me to the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're in our series, if you remember in the Gospel of Luke, it's good news. The gospel is good news that brings great joy, and it's for all the people. And again, last week and this week, we're skipping ahead from where we were. We'll get back to Luke 8 or Luke 7 next week. But now we're skipping ahead to uh, chapter 24. And this passage actually takes place after uh, the resurrection, when Jesus is first appearing to his disciples and people who are following him. The theme I'm calling this message is, Can I Get a Witness?, Can I get a witness? Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Now, just to set the context before I read, I'm going to pick up in uh, in verse 36. We heard the first 12 verses of this chapter in the call to worship that DJ read for us earlier, and that was the women, the first witnesses of the fact that Jesus was not in the tomb. It was a group of women who, in that culture, were not considered reliable witnesses. But yet, in the the wisdom of God and the power of God, those are the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. But then they they don't even believe it. The angels are assuring them that Jesus has risen just like he said. This is so crazy that even though Jesus had talked about it before, they didn't believe it. And then they went and shared this with the disciples, and they still didn't believe it. And then in this middle section in Luke that comes after that, you find Jesus appearing to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he gives them the most amazing Bible study that there ever was as he's opening up the word of God to show them where he's found in all of those pages there. And where we're going to pick up in verse 36 is just as the guys from Emmaus get back to the rest of the disciples to tell them what's happened. And so we're going to pick up with verse 36. Here now the reading of God's word. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets And the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power 
from on high. This is God's word. Let's go to God together in prayer. God, what a privilege to be able to open up your word and to talk about the event that changed history. Your res- the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you for the, you being the power from on high that we don't have to wait for anymore because you've already sent him. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here in this place and, and where we're gathered online to watch. And we pray that as Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures on that road to Emmaus, that you would open up our minds to understand the word of God here on Maple Avenue right now in this time. And Holy Spirit, help us not only to understand these words, but help us to live in light of them. Help us to live as your witness right here in the West End. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, I I can tell from y'all's response at the beginning that y'all have heard that phrase before. Can I get a witness? You probably heard it from me. Actually, where I first heard it was from my father in church when he would say to the congregation, can I get a witness? And what I was thinking as a kid is that's one of the things you say to try and hype the crowd up a little bit or, or wake them up if, if they need to be woken up. Amen. But what you come to see later on is when he's saying, can I get a witness? What he's asking, what the preacher is asking, is there anybody out there who can testify that what I'm saying right now about God is true? As an example, when somebody says God is able to provide when you don't know how God is going to make a way. Guess what? Clarence is your witness. If somebody's wondering, is God a healer? Guess what? McKenna is your witness today. If anybody is wondering, is there a God who's able to raise the dead back to life? Aaron and Jonathan are your witnesses today. If anybody's wondering if God has the power to change things and transform situations, Fanta is your witness today. That God is able. Can I get a witness today? So you understand how it works. But what Jesus is calling for in this passage is he's calling for a witness. This is not just a nice story for the disciples to file away and remember and put in their scrapbooks. He is calling for a witness to what they're seeing and experiencing. And guess what? It's not just for them back then. It's also for us today. Right here in New City West End, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the one who is alive now and forevermore, wants to know New City West End, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness in this community? Can I get a witness that I'm able still to provide when you don't know how I'm going to make a way? Can I get a witness that God's people care about more than just themselves, but they're called to care for their communities and be salt and light in those places? Can I get a witness today? That's what Jesus wants to know. And so how do we see that in the passage? Well, there's only two things today. This is kind of in between a homily and a sermon, right? If you were there Friday, that was a homily. (laughs) This is not as quite, this is a a Herman maybe somewhere... (laughs) kind of in the middle. There's two parts that we want to look at here in the passage. We just want to look at what it shows us about the witnesses of the resurrection and then the witnesses to the resurrection. All right, very quickly, the witnesses of the resurrection and then the witnesses to. 
And just to warn you, the first point is a little bit longer than the second, so don't get worried as we're there, all right? So let's start, the witnesses of the resurrection. And I want us to imagine almost that we're in a courtroom scene. And imagine that Luke is the attorney, and he says, I would like to call before you a couple of witnesses to prove the point I'm going to make about the resurrection. And so the first witness I'm going to call are God's people. The witness here, the first witness we see in this passage are the people of God. Back to verse 36. As they were talking about these things, and you remember that? That's the guys that came back from being with Jesus on that road, and they're telling everybody else what happened. And Jesus appears to them, and he says, peace to you. And there's a double meaning in there, right? That's, on one hand, that's the way, uh, a normal way they would greet each other back then. Like then we would say, hey, what's up, when we see somebody? They'd say, peace to you. But it's a double meaning. Because also in the Gospel of Luke, peace refers to salvation. And he's saying, not only am I here to greet you, but I'm here to bring salvation. Salvation is here for you because I'm here. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And I don't know, I've heard that story so many times. And I was reading it this time, it struck me how hard it was for the disciples and those believers to grasp at first that Jesus was really alive and Jesus was there. But let's put ourselves in their shoes and think about all that they've been through. And now this one that they love has gone away from them. Many of them are living with the failure of having failed him and what that feels like and, and the sorrow of not just losing your friend but losing your hope, losing the one that you thought was going to bring deliverance for your people and now he's gone. And then all of a sudden he's there. So, so we can imagine with them how, how hard this would be to believe. If you go to that next slide, it says, he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And this is so important, what Jesus does. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Over and over in this passage, he's calling them, see, look at me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet because they're thinking he's a, he's a figure of their imagination or he's a ghost, right? He's a spirit that's floating around. He's saying, no, this is a real body. It's a resurrected body, right? So he can transform and go through places. That would be really cool, right? Your kid's acting up, you just go right through the door. That, that's, that'd be awesome. But he's able to do that. But it's still, it's a real body. And that's so important for them to see. What, one of the things that the writers do here is they say, listen, man, it's really important to know that the resurrection really happened. Some people say, oh, you know, the resurrection, that, no, it, it doesn't matter, right? The teaching of Jesus, that's what's really important. Jesus taught about good morals and loving people and caring for the poor and things like that. That's what really matters. We don't have to worry about all this miracle stuff. But what Paul says, if he's not raised, you ain't got no hope. There's no reason to be preaching. There's no reason to have faith. There's no reason to try to live for God if he's not raised. And so he's showing them, I'm really here. The flip side is true. If I am raised, then that means you have a hope. You have an incredible hope that nothing can take away. 
If you go to that next verse, I love this phrase. It says, while they were still disbelieving for joy. That's a wild phrase, isn't it? Have you ever known something that's too good to be true? Like you see something there, maybe you hit the lottery. Maybe I don't know what it is. But some, you're like, I just can't believe it. It's so good, even though it's right in front of me. That's how they feel. And this is why Jesus says, have you anything here to eat? And why does he say that? Why does he say that? You think, oh, you know, dying and being raised. That really works up an appetite. <laughs> why is he saying that to them? Because he wants them to know that he's real. That this is a real body that's there before him. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Can you imagine being there? And everybody just standing around like with their mouths watching. He, Jesus is eating the fish. Oh, that's good. I like that. that. Amazing. But it's showing them that he's really there. He's the resurrected Savior. They're witnesses of the resurrection. How important is this? If you put up that next slide from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, this is what Paul writes. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And then you can go to that next slide. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And he's talking about that experience on that Damascus road. This is what a big deal this is. And so the first witness is the witness of the people of God that they've seen the resurrected Christ. Well, the second witness that Jesus calls is not the people of God, but it's the word of God. If you go back to that next verse, that next slide. Then he said to them, and Jesus opens up. He talks about the, his own words, right? These are the, my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And then he's pointing them to the scriptures. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, what's that? What's he talking about? Right, the first five books of the Old Testament. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, and then the prophets, and the Psalms. Really, that's encapsulating all of the Old Testament. He's saying that it testifies all about me. It must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It's a way of saying it all points to me. And let's think, how is that so? Right, we can think of some specific messages, right? We can think, oh, wait a minute, Genesis 3. That means Jesus is the seed of the woman. That means in Isaiah 7, he's Emmanuel, God with us, who comes from the virgin. In Isaiah 9, he's going to be the king who's wonderful counselor and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace. He's going to be the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. And he's all of those things. But it's more than that. All of those figures in the Old Testament, they all are, they point and they are fulfilled in him. He's the one who is the true son of God. He's the one who is the true leader of the Exodus. He is the one who is the true Sabbath rest. He is the one who is the final temple. He is the ultimate sacrifice. He's the great high priest. He's all of those things. They're all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. They all point to him. What's written about him in that last passage? It says thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead 
and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's the content of their preaching. If you read through Acts, that's in all of their messages. That's what they're talking about. And it's also in the content of all of our preaching. That same thing about who he is, that he brings repentance, or he calls for repentance for the forgiveness of sins because of his death and resurrection. That's who he is, and they're called to be his witnesses. So God's people and God's word, that's the first thing. They're the witnesses of his resurrection. So let me ask you, let's say that you're the jury. Now, how do you find jury? What do you think? Maybe there's some that are coming here and you come and you're doubting the resurrection if this has really happened. Maybe you're watching online and you're checking this out, but, but you're not quite there yet. You don't believe that. Well, you have to wrestle with this evidence. How do you deal with these witnesses? How do you deal with the fact that most of these people gave their lives? Would all these people die for a lie? How do you, how do you account for the fact that they all saw this guy at the same time? Now, I've heard of hallucinations, but usually when you have a hallucination, it's just you, right? You don't hallucinate in groups. So how could they? How could that happen? You've got to account for the truth of who he is. I know, all the, I know you might have questions. The apostle Paul himself had questions. But then Jesus appeared, there he is. And he had to believe. And so I ask you, will you believe in this one who died for you and was raised for you so that you can have life? I forgot to say earlier that after the service is over, we always have a time of prayer if there's anybody that wants to come and, and pray with somebody and talk to somebody and share something you want prayer for, come and do that, especially if you haven't questions about this. I invite you to come and bring your life to him. What else? Maybe there's some people here in the jury and you say, I believe already, but I'm suffering. Well, what does this say to those that are suffering? What is it that Jesus showed them? He said what? Look at my, my hands and and my feet, what would they have seen on his hands and on his feet? They would see scars there from the wounding that he went through and being nailed to a cross. There you would see the great cosmic creator of the universe who suffered, who chose to suffer, who chose to enter into our suffering. And there you see his wounds. He's wounded. He knows what it feels like to be rejected and to suffer unjustly because that's what he went through for you. For those that are on the jury, maybe you're struggling in your life with sin. What does he say here in the midst of that struggle? That struggle is going to continue, but guess what? It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's a song that we sang the other night, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. So when the enemy is coming to you after what you've done or what you've thought and whispering those lies in your ear that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, God, how can God be with you? You keep falling and falling and falling. You're not right. You can say, hold on, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. 
The resurrection is the guarantee. It's the receipt that my debt has been paid in full. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, guess what they are? They're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's your testimony today. And finally, before we go to the other thing, what about for those that are afraid of this great enemy called death? Or maybe even as we sit here, all of us sit here, right? We know what it feels like to lose somebody that we love to this enemy called death. And listen, I'm a pastor, right? I've not only been to lots of funerals, I've officiated hundreds of funerals. And it never feels right. It always feels like, you know what, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And that's right. But guess what? This is saying, guess what, death? You got killed. Death is ended. The death of death with the death of Christ, there's someone that says. Death is ended. It's been swallowed up in victory. Those people that we've lost, we will see them again in Christ. And so this says to us that death doesn't have the last word, even though it likes to believe that it does. These are the witnesses of the resurrection. Now, quickly, let's look at the witnesses to the resurrection. And what we see here, there's two things about these witnesses. On the one hand, we're going to see that they're sent by the Son, and they're also sent with the Spirit. They're sent by the Son, Jesus, and then they're sent with the Holy Spirit. So there in verse 48, you see that you are witnesses of these things. Now, what does a witness do? It's somebody that testifies, right, about what? About what they've seen and what they've heard. And this word here in our context, the, the context of the word, it also implies people that suffer because of that witness. Right? That's where we get the martyr word from. It comes from right here. And he's saying, you are going to be my witnesses. Now, back in verse 47, he says my, that my gospel is going to be preached right to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And maybe they say, man, that's awesome, Jesus. How are you going to do that? And there he tells them, I'm going to do it through y'all. I'm sending you. You're sent by the Son. You can go to that next verse, Acts 1.8. You'll receive power. He tells them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because they're back at the end of verse 47, it says, from Jerusalem. That means not that all the people are going to go to Jerusalem to hear about Jesus, that people are going to leave from there and go to the ends of the earth to proclaim Jesus. And thanks be to God that they did. And so what does that witness look like? You can put up that next verse. This is a little bit earlier in Luke 24 as he's on that Emmaus road. And this is a theme that we've been seeing as we've been going through Luke. Right? He says, he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And I just want you to listen to how they describe him. He was, and they don't know it's him. This is how they describe him. They say he was a prophet who's mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The part I wanted to focus on is mighty in deed and word. It's not just mighty in word. It's not just mighty in deed. He's, he's mighty in both. And we see that. It's both seen and heard. He does 
and he teaches. All those things go together, and they also go together with us. There's an old, old book that I love. It it captures this so well, and the title of it is Evangelism, Doing Justice and Preaching Grace. That is our call, New City. If you look on what our vision statement is, on the one hand, it describes us as proclaiming the gospel of, of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're doing spirit-led deeds of mercy and justice in the place where he sends us. That's what it looks like. So what will it look like for you to continue to be a witness in this place? What is the witness that he's given you? And you say, Pastor, that means I got to sign up for a bunch of stuff. No, I mean where you are right now in the place, whether it's working in a formal ministry, whether it's your regular job, you are a witness in that place. You are his witness in that place. What will that look like? Who is God calling you to in the midst of that place? So we see that they're sent by the son. But you might say, well, where did he get the power to do that? Well, he tells you as you go on, if you go to that next slide, back to 49, he says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. This is wild because the Father has promised this, now the Son is telling you that he's sending. Who is he sending? But stay in the city till you are clothed with power from on high. He's not sending an it, he's sending a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will fill you with power. Now you can go to that Acts 1.8. It says you will receive power when? When you graduate from seminary. When you complete the the discipleship training course. When, (laughs) when, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They're not only sent by the Son, but they're also sent with the Spirit, and so are we. We're sent by the Son, but we also are sent with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to do all the things that God has called us to do because they are beyond our power to do them. But the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Word of God, that conceived Jesus, right? We, we say that in the Apostles' Creed. Conceived Jesus and filled Jesus throughout all of His ministry. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in us through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what's the application? Is cry out for more of him in us together and us individually. I quoted before, you remember in the Lord's Prayer in Luke's version, where after he finishes, he uses these analogies. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, he's going to give him a serpent. And which of you, if if your son asks you for an egg, you're going to give him a scorpion. And then Jesus says, look, even y'all, even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. And then he says, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the application is ask. Ask that he might fill you and guide us and lead us more and more to do what he's called us to do as witnesses of the resurrection. We're sent by the Son and we're sent with the Spirit. See, I should have told Jeremiah this is a little bit shorter than regular. I need him, because I need him. We're already at the end. And I need him for that last part. There you go. 
Jeremiah, I was just asking the camera. <laughs> I was just asking him if I could get a witness right? and saying that we're witnesses of the resurrection and witnesses to the resurrection and great news is as a witness uh, Parker reminded me of this Friday night because he did such an amazing job throughout but man that last song Lord have mercy it was unbelievable. But you know what? He taught us something that we also can join in and, and say we can't sing like Parker. But we can say those same things that Parker sang about when he said he lived and he loved me. He died and he saved me. He buried and he carried my sins far away. But then rising, he justified me and he freed me forever. And one day, I said, one day. Is there anybody looking forward to one day? He's coming back. Oh, and what a glorious day that will be. Can I get a witness today? Can I get a witness? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the witnesses of the resurrection. But we also thank you for the witnesses to the resurrection. And that you have called us to be your witnesses right here in this place, sent by the Son and filled by the Spirit of God. So help us to do that, Lord, for your glory. Lord, we lift up the very streets of our community to you. We lift up Maple and Bartmer, Goodfellow and Hamilton, Chamberlain and Etzel, Cates. We lift up all of our streets, Delmar. We lift them up to you and pray that you would move powerfully and mightily in these places through your people. All this we ask, pray you'd be glorified in it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening and God bless.